The Big Story from The Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. As Singapore sees a return to normality, one expert tells us the COVID-19 situation is the best it has been in two and a half years. You're watching The Big Story with me, Hairianto Diman. Subscribe to The Straits Times channel so you will not miss a single episode. Well, welcome back from the four-day weekend. I hope you had a good break. It was the first long weekend since the easing of COVID-19 restrictions here and many welcomed the change. Especially for our Muslim friends who were able to celebrate Hari Raya Idil Fitri under more normal circumstances for the first time in three years. Congregants gathered in large groups for the customary prayers yesterday morning at mosques island-wide. The mood was a joyous one as they came dressed to the nines and exchanged greetings with family and friends. Meanwhile, others took the opportunity to take a short trip out of Singapore for the long weekend. Travellers are seen here at Woodlands train checkpoint, returning from Malaysia last evening. The buzz of activities signalling the return to more normality comes as the daily COVID-19 cases here continue to decline since the peak in February. Associate Professor Alex Cook, Vice Dean of Research at NUS's Sosui Hawk School of Public Health, joins me now. Welcome back to the show, Professor. It's been over a month since restrictions were first eased on March 29th, like bigger group sizes and mask off in outdoor settings. And since then, a more significant easing in the past few weeks. But all these have so far not led to a surge in cases. In fact, infection numbers continue to decline. Professor, why is that? Well, the public holidays this week may obscure any recent changes that there have been. So I'd be slightly hesitant to conclude that we have not any definitive evidence of, of a rise in cases or of severe cases following the most recent relaxation. However, so far, the epidemiological data do look very promising. I think that the main difference between now and in previous times when we relaxed measures is that now so many of us have been infected that it is hard for the, the virus itself to spread. If you think of from the point of view of the virus, um, most of the bodies that it is reaching are able to fight back quickly um, and therefore prevent it from infecting the host at all. And even when it succeeds in infecting the host, the infection is much less likely to lead to disease because most of us have either been vaccinated or infected or both. So, so while infections are still happening, the, the numbers haven't shot up. Um, and in fact, I think the number of people getting quite badly ill remains very low. You're right, Professor. Hospitalizations, ICU figures uh, and deaths are also down or have remained low. What do you make of our current COVID-19 situation then? Where are we now in our fight against the pandemic? Well, in, in my view, Singapore's COVID situation just now is at the best it has been since December 2019. Um, there's, there's a large amount of immunity in the population. That's number one. Two, the circulating virus itself is relatively mild, even though it's very transmissible. Um, and three, the burden of the remaining measures that are in place on the community is much lighter for most of us. However, because there are still some requirements that we wouldn't expect to be in place in the long term, such as the compulsory mask wearing indoors or the ongoing restrictions um, in the foreign worker dormitories, I don't think that we can say that we're already into the endemic era. But once we have got a little bit more confidence that severe cases are not going to shoot up um, as we move out of this public holiday weekend, then we may be able to start removing some of those additional requirements. Effectively, we would be leaving it up to individuals to make the decisions about whether and how to modify the lifestyle to protect themselves, rather than having it be the government 
make those decisions for us. Mm. So, Professor, eventually when we reach uh, that stage uh, that you mentioned and, and we learn to live with the virus, uh, what sort of trends or patterns are modelling experts like yourself are focusing on? What are some key indicators to watch for? Well, one, of the, one of the key questions going forward is how is immunity waning over time? Is immunity following vaccination and following infection? How, how different is it going to be for immunity for severe disease versus immunity for, for mild infections? And answering those questions is harder than just looking at the total number of hospitalizations or total number of cases, because it requires for those cases looking back in time to see how long it has been since they got their vaccination or they got infected last time. Now, so far, it looks like protection against severe disease holds up really well. But we need to keep on monitoring that over the months ahead to see whether protection starts to degrade over time, which would then imply that we need to get more boosters out for the high-risk groups. Other indicators that we are looking at are, are about the emergence of new variants overseas and then their presence eventually in Singapore. We know that the virus will keep mutating, just like the flu viruses do and the dengue viruses do. And most of those mutations are not going to lead to much of an impact. Um, but some of them will. There's a risk that a variant will emerge that is able to replace the current Omicron variant. For that to happen, for it to replace Omicron, it would need to have an advantage over it. Either it needs to be more transmissible or it needs to have, um, you know, sufficiently different from Omicron that it can escape the immunity that, that we've built up over the last Omicron wave in the population. So we need to be monitoring for those, for the emergence of new variants and to see what the prevalence is in Singapore and whether that is growing in number. If so, it could potentially call for some travel restrictions to the country that has the variant or in the worst case scenario, the reimposition of some measures that we've recently relaxed, although I think we all hope that that won't be needed. More broadly, we do need to keep monitoring the global and the local situation to see overall where we stand, stand epidemiologically. I think that it goes without saying that we will see waves of COVID in the future. I'd be so surprised if we don't. But it's not clear what form those waves are going to take, mm. um, which in an equatorial country like Singapore, we don't have winter. And so how, how, how frequently they're going to be, how, how long the time in between waves and how bad the waves will be, that's all very uncertain just now. And so it's not clear then how the healthcare system needs to respond in, a, in order to adapt to the waves of, of COVID that we'll see in the future. So I think then that there's a good reason then for governments to keep publishing the number of cases, the number of deaths and so on, even though I, I really hope that the data that they are publishing is going to be more for the eggheads such as myself and that they won't be newsworthy enough to make the front pages. Professor Cook, thank you for your insights, Associate Professor Alex Cook, Vice Dean of Research at NUS's Saw Hot School of Public Health.